All right. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show. We're back. JoJo, who are we talking to today? It is not every day you get to talk to a World Series pitcher. I didn't ask him if he brought his ring, but I kind of wish I had. I think he did. Yeah, I was I was hoping he would. If you went on podcasts and you had a ring, like, you know. I'm going to make a ring just so I can bring it. You'd be like, it's in the car. Yeah, I'd be like, here's my ring. And they're like, for what? I'm like, fucked off. I know. It's a ring. We uh we did a podcast with Roger Steele and he said that he would beat Michael Jordan in golf and I'm still thinking about that. And there's an intersection uh in in Roger's podcast. You can see Jake come in and they talk and you can probably that camera gets Roger's ass perfectly placed. Yeah, yeah, that's thanks Simon. You always know. That's good. It's just the angles. You knew it. Um Jake Arietta. Jake Arietta. Um he just looks like a pro athlete, you know? Yeah. He's also just, I, I would say he's like, I was surprised when he said he doesn't read a lot of books because he's so smart and just like grounded in his kind of view of the world. I think for me, I think I was surprised that Jake and I talked so much about baseball because um, I'm definitely out of my element when it comes to that. But at the same time, I found it really fascinating that there are these mental and physical carryovers into the game of golf. And I mean, he's a very good golfer loves the game and um it was really cool just to kind of meander around with him and um you know talk about the mental side i mean my biggest takeaway from the pod was promise a fight promise a fight how sick was that every single time yeah there's one reason people should stick around and listen to the whole thing for this one what is it oh it's to it's to get to uh you know there was a period of time in his professional uh, pitching career where he would write something inside of his hat and the first thing that he wrote was promise a fight and so that meant he can't control the outcome and he's expecting basically you know a challenge and um in 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 basically standing at the mound with only one pitch ahead of him perpetually uh perpetually it happens nice. it, i mean it's just it doesn't even it's not even funny you know it's not even <laughs> it's not <laughs> but i'll keep going until it gets funny, which may be a while. But anyway, uh, he's perpetually standing. <laughs> it's just me now. You got it. You got a little bit. You got a little bit. Now. Got, anyway, Precision Pro. Precision yeah. Pro bringing this podcast to you every week. Thank you for them. A, a great partner. Yeah, $20 off uh, your purchase with the code ERIC. Don't spell it the lame way. Spell it the K way. With the K. ERIC with a K. Uh, that is going to get a Precision Pro rangefinder pitched Straight to the strike zone. All right. That's our last pitch, but, uh, I mean, I've got more pitches. I got an investor pitch. If you want to read it, are you allowed to solicit investors? Yeah. I think that's why we, isn't that, isn't that how we got <laughs> ours? <laughs> if you want to buy a piece of random golf club, uh, it'll cost you. No. Um, anyway, Jake, really pleasant conversationalist and promise a fight was my biggest takeaway. It was just like, how cool is that? If you just show up, knowing that you know uh, like is the pitcher the pitcher is technically on the defensive side of the inning mm -hmm. but he's playing offense i thought it was really interesting too yeah incredible uh mental perspective there and it's a pitch and pot so <laughs> all right without further ado uh pitching it over to jake arietta <laughs> You like podcasts, Jake? I like them a lot. Yeah. And I actually haven't done as many as, as I would have liked in the past. Why not? Did you, just did you kinda, turn people down? No. Or? Well, I mean, it's not necessarily that. It's just more of a time constraint thing, especially right. during the season. Yeah. 
you know, right now you're probably up at six o'clock, five, six o'clock, kind of doing your thing, getting ready. And during the season, I'm up at 10 30, 11 o'clock because well, I'm not going to bed until three. Oh, because the game finishes. You got some travel. The game's late. It's hard to wind down. You want to spend some time with the kids or just kind of unwind. You know, That's watch, so interesting. Watch a show or something like that. And then up at 10 30, breakfast with the family, maybe walk around, hang out for a little while, then at the field. Right. You know, I miss phone calls from family and friends all the time. And it's just kind of a, it's a weird schedule. Um, I just got to open with the story. Yeah. So Dodger Stadium, uh, 2013? 15. 15. Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting ready for the game. I'm there. <clears throat> I'm at this game. Awesome to know that you were there, by the way. It was crazy. That's, that's great. We were very close to each other. And I didn't know you played golf. You threw a no hitter. Mm -hmm. Was your other no hitter a home game or an away game? Uh, both away games. Wow. Yeah, the second one was April twenty first in Cincinnati. You, uh, you I, I, we were talking about Scotty Scheffler because this is a couple mm -hmm. days after the Masters. I don't know when the pod is going to come out, but when I, when we were talking about Scotty sleeping on the lead, it made me think of throw, throwing a no hitter. Yeah. Is there is there a similarity there? Well, I may, maybe some, you know, um, but with with Scotty, it's he's going into Sunday with the lead, not necessarily having been in that position before. And when you when you hear some of his comments about you know his his conversation with his wife, um, it exposes exposes you to that human element, you know, of all of us, right? And and him being open and transparent about that, I thought was really really cool. Uh, the no hitter is a little different. Like I told you when we were playing golf, <clears throat> the pregame bullpen that I had before the game was probably the worst I've ever had. And I would typically throw anywhere from 20 to 30 pitches before the game and, you know, hand the ball to the pitching coach, you know, kind of dap all the, all the bullpen guys and head to the dugout. But I got 14 pitches in, said, this is, this is awful. Flipped him the ball and said, Hey, I'm ready. My body's ready. Let's go. We'll see what happens. And, uh, <clears throat> our bullpen catcher's like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done it long enough to know that it doesn't necessarily matter how you, you know, how you feel in the in the pregame bullpen. It's more about just getting the body loose, making sure the arm's ready, and then let it fly once you get out there. And at what point did you realize that this, this could be your first no-hitter? Well, I knew from the first inning the stuff was – as good or better than I've ever had, you know, and it was kind of my, I wouldn't say coming out party because 2014 was, was probably that year where I started to put myself on the map, but pretty much from start to finish the season was just, I mean, it was like a video game really. I mean, the stuff was just electric all year. Um, <clears throat> Sunday night baseball, Dodger stadium, a perennial, you know, uh, postseason world series contender in the, in the Dodgers. We knew what we were up against. So, like, you know, I wanted to go in there on that stage and and show that the Cubs are are ready to be a playoff caliber team, you know. And for whatever reason, things clicked. I mean, that, that lineup was was pretty heavy, too. Yeah. You know, you had Rollins, you had Udley. Um, they had some big boys in that lineup, Justin Turner. So, but, you know, I, I, I've been in games where I've been in the fifth, sixth inning, four, four through six innings with, with no hits, you know. And it's like, well, okay, that's great, but I still have, you know, 
12 outs to go or whatever it is. And um, I'd say most pitchers would tell you when you get to the seventh, when you get to the seventh inning, it's like, okay, this, this could, pro this could happen, you know, but it's like a swinging bunt, um, a bloop, you know, a little fly ball over the infield falls in for a hit. It's done like that. Yeah. So you try not to put too much merit into it until you get down to like the last six or nine outs. And, uh, once I got to that point, it's like, you know, I'm not, I wasn't holding anything back all game, but it's like, all right, I'm going to be as precise as I can and I'm just going to let it rip. And, um, I ended up striking out the side in the ninth inning, which and, and is, is whole, a cool way to finish. And the whole stadium is on their feet. Yeah. And I think as a, as a visiting or as a, as an opponent's fan, you know, like you, you were with, with Jason Bateman. Yeah. And as a base, fan as, for as a, life, for life, you know, I've seen him in that same seat <clears throat> for years <laughs> and I, I love it. And a lot of, a lot of celebrities, um, are huge baseball fans yeah. and it's, it's fun to see that, you know, and he, he was enjoying the game as well as the rest of the stadium. You know, I had, I had one of my best friends there with, with my wife and kids. And, um, I think when you realize what type of moment that is as a baseball fan, you know, you want to see your team win, but at the same time, you want to see history, you know, be made. And that that's, I, I really respect that from baseball fans. I, I think that was actually my first uh, Dodger game. And so we're sitting very there. Very first one. Very first game. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting there with our feet on uh, the away team dugout on, on first dugout, base. Yeah. And uh, I think it was about the fifth inning. And I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. Yeah. And so we're, we're sitting there like fifth inning. And I was like, have, have, have we even gotten a hit? Not really knowing that what I was actually saying was, is, th is this a no hitter situation? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Bateman was just like, hang on pull out the earpiece. You know, he's mm -hmm. listening, he's tuned in and he's like, Oh my God. And, uh, at that point it just was a different game. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And you know, not, not that it matters. Things happen. Guys make errors. I, th I want to say that one of our guys, it might've been Starling Castro made an error in the first inning. And my wife told me, and my buddy told me after that, he's like, well, there goes the perfect game, you know, and then right. <clears throat> end up having to ha throwing a no hitter. So, so there's, there's like six no hitters a year or something like that. And there's like one perfect game. I don't even know if it's, no, it's probably not one a year perfect games. I think there's only like 28 perfect games ever in the last 80, 90 years. Exactly. Um, <laughs> there's, we'd have to look it up, but there's probably a couple hundred no hitters, maybe three, 300 still, still a very small number. Yeah. Um, you know, what's, what's pretty cool is that one of my close friends has thrown two also. Wow. Homer Bailey with the Reds, he's thrown two. Um, Clay Buckholtz, another close friend of mine, has thrown one. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the competition, the talent level is so high that it just – it's something that you don't expect to see. Right. Right? Even if you've got the best pitcher on the mound <clears throat> on the planet at the time, whether it's Scherzer or DeGrom um, – you know, Kershaw, wh whoever it might be, you just, you expect somebody to find a hole, right? Yeah. You know, there's, there's so much, so much open grass out there and there's so many weird things that can happen throughout the course of 27 outs that that's why it makes it so rare. And so we're in the fifth inning and I tell Bateman, I'm like, I think this could be a no hitter. Uh, you're coming out of the bottom of the dugout there by <laughs> kind of closer to home plate. Yeah. And, 
and you said you didn't hear what he said to you. But you changed. So Bateman said, you're throwing a great game, Jake. And then you changed. You, you, I never saw you again. You came out of that. You didn't hear him, though. You know, I might have. But in that moment, like in, in any game, like I hear things said by fans all the time. Really? All the time. And it's kind of, it's just, it's quit. It's short lived, right? Yeah. You hear it and then it's, it's in and out. Cause the only thing I'm thinking about no hitter or not is just, okay. How'd the inning go processing that, you know, did I pitch like shit? Did I give up three or did I, you know, punch out the side? Right. right? And whatever that was, okay. Who's, who's, who's leading off next inning? Who's, who's up after him? And what's what, the strategy for what's, that? What's the score of the game? Am, am I sitting next next to the catcher? Do we need to go over, you know, the 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 report? Um, are we going to have a pinch hitter come off the bench? Right. If so, who is that? Is he right handed, left handed? Um, just trying to manage the game in that regard, right? You know, because there's it, it's nice to have that five to seven minute break to kind of assess what happened. I mean, kind of similar to golf, yeah. you know, kind of the in between hole sort of uh reflecting on you know how bad your plan or how good your plan <laughs> right so um v- very similar in that regard so uh you know arguably one of the best pitchers in the world you step on a golf course who are you on the golf course oh man uh all over the map <clears throat> my swing my swing is not great you know I, you've got a better swing than me and it, it <laughs> It pisses Visually. me off a little bit. It's a pretty swing. Dude, you pound the ball and you reliably yeah. move it right to left. And I told you that I, I address the ball with a closed club face every single time. Yeah. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just visually appealing. But when, when things are going well, yeah, I have a nice baby draw. I hit the ball far. But then when I need to move the ball left to right, it's a challenge. Yeah. So... I got to make that adjustment. And I have some friends that are really good at golf and noticing things about the golf swing. And I try and make the adjustment. And sometimes, you know, I just revert back to, I guess, what feels good. Yeah. Which doesn't mean it's right. Do, do, uh, cause, cause my thought was that ball players typically hit a slice. Cause you got that, you know, you get that right arm. If you're a right, <clears throat> you got that right arm way up in the backswing. It makes it hard to drop that club inside. Using a club, a racket, a bat, um, Swinging smooth is is ex- extremely important across the board, right? Like, I think some of the best shots I've ever hit, just trying to get to the top of the backswing, you know, not sway. Then that's a big thing I do. I, I sway. It's it's that baseball move, right? We stride, and the body starts to move right to left. Yeah, you know, and the less you do with your larger muscles the better you play, right? Across the board. You know, I, I play a little bit of tennis too. And when, you, when you're just kind of easy, thinking about having, having a nice stroke, you know, strings to the, to the net, um, putting a little bit of topspin on the ball, it just feels pure. Like you don't even feel it coming off the racket or the club or the bat. And I think that, I don't know about you, but that's one of the coolest things about sports is when you just feel that effortless, contact yeah like the ball wasn't even there yeah it's almost like uh did i even do anything right right like all i did was let go and trying to find the center of the club face right i mean the club is you know about this big and trying to find the center of that it's just it's so elusive and i think that's why and like you said before the ball's not moving 
right? Why is it so damn hard to hit? It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. And and like you said, I mean, even I started, I, I was kind of good in the beginning-ish. <clears throat> and yeah, now I'm just kind of, I don't, I don't, as you were talking, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get any better. I don't know that it's going to happen. <clears throat> I felt that way for a while. <laughs> but I also, I also am realistic and I understand that there's a certain amount of time you have to put into it. Just like with, with playing baseball my whole life. And my son would sometimes complain like, oh, we got to go to practice Wednesday, Thursday. We have tournament games Saturday, Sunday. It's like, dad, do we have to practice today? I go, well, I, I play at the highest level and we practice every day. <clears throat> <laughs> so we're going to practice, right? Yeah. So no different from golf, right? Those guys, you see them, you know, grinding over a range se session for hour, two hours, three hours, whatever the case may be. You know, they putt for an hour, two hours. They have their their drills. They watch video. That's why they're that's why they're so good. Right. So I think that as amateur golfers, we want to be that good, but we have to be realistic and understand we're not doing what they do yeah. to attain those those standards. Right. And even if we did, we're, that's not saying that we would ever be able to go out and shoot a 61. Yeah. I just don't think, you know, I think our ceiling's a little bit lower and that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with being a six or I'd love to get to a scratch, Yeah, but it's going to require a lot more time than I currently put into the game. Yeah. When we were, uh, when we were playing the other day, you know, um, you said, you, you said, uh, I'm kind of a spiritual person. <clears throat> we were talking yeah. about something else. Mm -hmm. Um, does that, where did that start? Does it, did, is because I could, I could probably see baseball as a spiritual game. I definitely see golf as a spiritual game. You know, you're you're alone. You're completely responsible, mm -hmm. and how you react is the game. I think. D does that? Wh where where does it make it known for you that the the spiritual part of life in sport? Well, I think a lot of the spirituality of it comes from comes internally. You know, that internal dialogue with yourself, and I think that's what a big part of religion is too. You know, I grew up going to several different churches with different family members. And I think church is amazing for a lot of people. I think it helps people live um, a very moral and sound, sound life. Um, and we, we go to church too. We, we like to take the kids to church. I think it's just, <clears throat> it's, it's a good guide, you know, but I also think there's so much more out there that you can access and utilize to elevate yourself <clears throat> to a, to a higher level spiritually, you know, mentally, emotionally, uh, physically. So I try and take components from everything, yeah. whether it's religion or spirituality or, um, you know, it, big influences that I've had in my life, you know, over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a little bit of religion in my life. I think, uh, you know, spirituality is there. And I think that's a very, uh, that's a very large term. I think a lot of things are incorporated into spirituality, which is a good thing. And it's kind of, for me, it's, I'm always adding things to it, right? <clears throat> if, if I meet somebody who's very influential and, and lives a life that I think is, is honorable, I might take things from, from their routine that, that helps them, uh, you know, maintain structure in their life and, and, and use that to my benefit, you yeah. know? So I'm always, always trying to learn and get better at everything. You know, I, <clears throat> maybe that's, that's one of my downfalls is I, I try and do 
I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of nothing in a certain sense. Like I'm doing so many different things. And I think that that's why I don't put um, a lot more time into golf. Yeah. Which I, 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 I'm a diehard golf golfer, golf fan, have been for a long time. But I just love so many other things too. So it's hard to fill the, fill the day with, with everything, right? I got to pick and choose. Yeah, I mean, golf is a lot of, it's, it's, if you want to get better, you, you're putting in, I mean, around is four plus <clears throat> yeah. the range then, and then the driving and the, 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 you know, the whole thing. Um, I'm kind of wondering, is there like, you know, you in, in baseball, you know, you, you, you went through such a, such an experience that's so rare, right? Um, being in the center capitalizing on many different occasions, right? Like, like succeeding in the way that like a, only a true killer can just block out the, the whatever's happening. And frankly, like if you show that to the other side, you're already beaten. Right. So, and I, t I, I, my son, my son is 10 and I tell this to the team all the time, right? Like the presentation, right? The, uh, the presence that you have on the mound or in the batter's box. Like if you strike out or you get out and you, you come back to the dugout crying or whining, mm. I see that and I, I got them. I got yeah. you right They're on their back. So whether, whether I'm, you know, you're a little bit sick or you're sore or you've got a little bit of something going on, whatever it is, I'm not going to let you know that I'm not going to give you any reason to feel like you've got me beat. So that was big for me too. Okay. And there's a lot, as you get a little bit older in your career, you realize like last time I felt good, I was 18 years old, <laughs> right? Like there's all, <clears throat> there's always something going on, right? You're stiff. Like you're not going to feel great. So presenting myself as I, I feel unbelievable. Yeah. Right. This is the best, best I've ever felt. Yeah. Because on some level, like I never really thought of this, but um, you know, you're in, you're on a pedestal. Yeah. You're in the middle. Yeah, everyone's yeah, looking it's a weird you. position to be in. Yeah, but it's everyone's looking at every little thing, facial expressions, everything, whatever. Everything. How long it takes you to get rid of the mm -hmm. ball. Yeah. How many signs you shake off. And I tell people this too. Baseball is the only game where as a pitcher, when you're on defense, it feels like you're on offense. Because Explain nothing be, well, because nothing happens until until I make it happen. Or until whoever's on the mound makes it happen. Right. Right. So for me, it's like I almost have an offensive quality. Yeah about about the game and you can't necessarily say that for you know the third baseman the outfielder no, and the catcher right they're reacting right the catcher is there for, to defend right to block the ball to to you know back pick guys at first to throw guys out at second to uh do all sorts of different things yeah <clears throat> but for me like i feel like i'm i'm in control because i'm whether i'm throwing this thing 90 miles an hour or 98 miles an hour that feels offensive <clears throat> oh it, i mean yeah i'm offended. right so <laughs> I felt like the the hitter has to defend against what I'm doing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it, you know, in in the in the box score, obviously the offense is calculated by runs scored from you know, the offense, right from the from the from the order. But I and that just kind of helped me kind of process things and and feel more control of of kind of what was going on throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, you're serving. Right. Right. Like it's, it's absolutely Exa awful. Yes. Like, yeah, exactly. It's very similar to tennis. Exactly. Interesting. You know, so I wonder if that <clears throat> mentality 
is what paved the way for the two no hitters. Man, there's it's a lot of things. It's it's Brian Kane, the sports site guy that I use at TCU. It's Don Carmen. It's Mike Griffin. It's Chris Bazio. It's uh, Jim Sloshnagel, my my head coach at TCU. It's my dad. It's it's all it's just all these little pieces of things, right? right that I didn't utilize well enough early in my career. And looking back, you know, I don't regret a damn thing. But it's just like shit. If I could have harness this a couple years earlier you know because when i when i when i came on the scene in in 2010 you know i i would uh i talk to guys on the other team all, all the time and you know i remember vividly paul canerco i i pitched against the white Sox in in chicago and i, I think it was the next day he's like dude you have some of the best stuff i've ever seen <clears throat> and he was you know 10 years in the in the league at that time maybe 12 or more right and it's like shit like you need to start understanding what you're what you're working with here right that was your internal realization yeah and a lot of it was there was a lot of delivery issues there like mechanical issues like like, you know like in the golf swing like just things that i had to smooth out over time you know and i had i had some people that were tinkering with me in a way that i felt was unnecessary yeah right like i there came a point in time where i knew the the adjustments that i needed to make I knew what they were. I was being pulled in a few different directions. Right. You know, so there came a time where, you know, I actually called a meeting with our manager and pitching coach at the time and said, Hey, I've been working really hard with our pitching coach. I've been trying to do, I've been very coachable, doing everything, grinding every day, bullpen sessions, dry work, you name it. I feel like there's things I can do different to be very successful. Didn't go over great with the pigeon coach. Why? It went over well. Oh, because you're basically saying, I want more. Or like, I know better than you. Which, you know, it took a lot of nuts for me to to say this, you yeah. know? Because look, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in a great position, you know, success-wise. And like, you know, I could have been optioned at any point in time. Whoa. Which is, which is fine. Like it's, I, I was never, you know, I was always very... Um, you know, very realistic with why things were happening. You know, do you get upset about getting sent down? Sure. But you understand like it's happening for a reason. They're not sending me down because I'm pitching well. Right. (laughs) So I, you know, I had the manager's approval, you know, and started doing things a little bit differently. Right. I still, still got sent down. I wasn't pitching well, but I, there came a point in time where I was just like, I need, I need to kind of get away from the big leagues. I need to be put somewhere a little less, um, a little less magnified and just kind of like working on some shit in the dark, so to speak. Right. And just kind of like reworking things, you know, because when you're, when you're at the, at the highest level and I'm trying to work through my delivery, like stuff, shit you work on in spring training and it's, it's, may or june and i'm trying to face alex rodriguez or david ortiz that's not the time to work on shit no like because this guy's gonna hit at 450 feet he doesn't care that (laughs) he doesn't care that my balance sucks and my arm like whatever it is he doesn't give a shit he's gonna hit the ball far so i ended up being sent down i got traded to chicago and it was kind of a breath of fresh air like i wish i could have been the guy i became in baltimore right that's who drafted me in 2007 Mm -hmm. right I wish it would have got to that point. It just didn't work out, right? 
not everyone gets to the big leagues like, you know, Clayton Kershaw and just, you know, wins Cy Youngs and throws no hitters. Like that's, that's very, very rare. Yeah. Most, most guys, and I got to the big leagues quick. I think it was about a little more than two years. Typically it's anywhere from three to four or five years right. for guys to get there. And then staying is even harder. Right. So yeah, it took me a while, but when I got to Chicago, it's like, Hey, I talked to, you know, Theo Epstein, talked to Chris Bosio, the pitching coach. Theo was the GM at the time. Um, and I said, look, I'm, I'm excited for this opportunity. I'm going to come over there, be myself and just let it fly. Like I know I'm, I'm going to be good for you guys. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to be good for the Chicago Cubs. And, uh, it happened. It worked out. Oh, fuck dude. That's like, there's no golf parallel. Like you can't like go dip into, um, you know, corn fairy. And also like, like coming, going from the tour to going down. Yeah. Right? Like, you, like you have your, you have your card for this, for the season. And then, yeah. And you got to capitalize. They, they can't take it away during the uh, year. Correct. Or, okay. Yeah, they can't. Okay. I mean, I suppose that there's maybe if you do something right, crazy, right. Right. I mean, Phil, Phil didn't play in the masters. That's not a coincidence. Yeah. Different um, subject, but, poor guy. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like, have you ever like reflected on, you know, you're a member of a team sport, you have a season that's mm -hmm. defined, you have a practice session, you have, you have people to rely on to make a play, make a score. You're working with a catcher, mm -hmm. right? You have a coach. I mean, like, like, have you ever just been like, fuck man, golf is crazy for the professional. Yeah, you know, I, I I know some golfers pretty well, and I think that it's, for me, the most unfortunate thing about golf is that they don't have, and not that they're, they're guys that are close, right, that they, they have friends on tour, but, you know, I've heard from some guys, it's like, you know, you, you win a tournament, and it's not like you're hanging out with all the dudes you just played played against. Right. Rightfully so, right? It's like, if you just kick my ass in, in the Masters, wherever, yeah. it's like- See you later. All right, man, I'm out. <laughs> Have a good night. So it's like, you know, it's like you and your caddy or your boys or your, your, your parents or your wife and your kids. And like, that's it. Like, but when, when we experience something like that together, we, we actually, we get to celebrate as a team. Right. And, and it's different. Like in golf, they have their team, right? It's they're the golfer and they have a team around them. Yeah. Whether it's a trainer or a mostly coach. employees though. Sure, sure. Not real teammates that they rely right. on in a moment. Right. I think, I, and you know, golf can be a lonely sport, yeah, so to speak. I mean, it's it's brilliant. It's amazing. We love it. But that's just kind of one of the things about it that seems a little unfortunate. Yeah. You know? I never thought about that uh, post-win, like, you know, glow, right? It's there's, yeah. there's no one that you collaborated with on that you can say, I, I you know, when we did that thing. Yeah. I mean, there's well, a caddy. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I hit the drive and then you hit the wedge shot yeah. and then somebody else makes the putt and we all <laughs> yeah. celebrate together, which that would be cool. Um, which is probably why <clears throat> these guys love the President's Cup and the Ryder's Cup so much is because that's so rare. That's a great point. And seeing the camaraderie that they get to experience yeah. during, during stuff like that because they don't get to do it very often. Dude, I would love just like a real team of like, of like uh, you know, like, um, you know, the Toyota Mavericks. You know what I mean? Just yeah. out there, like, you know, six guys, like who's starting, you know, I, I mean, 
Dell match play. Did you go to the Dell match play at all? I ended up not going out. I, I was going to go a couple of the days, but just it's kind of a ended up having a bunch of stuff with the kids. Yeah, you know that's good, man. You're yeah. you're from what I understand, dude. Like the time that you put into their lives is like so fucking rad because you could easily be busy guy. Well, I am. I am busy, but like that's that's priority number one, yeah. right? Like up at five five thirty, have a little alone time, coffee, hang with the dog. Start their breakfast, start my food for the day. Um, what do you do with a dog? I, I'm just picturing you throwing a ball. Is that is that a joke? Is that well, typically, like, I just, <laughs> I'll just get her out of the bed because, you know, she's a pain in the ass. She'll sleep. Uh, we have a field retriever. Who, amazing dog, loves the water, just very active, lo- love her to death. But in bed sometimes, she doesn't like to be very close to you, but she'll scratch and claw at the at the, at the at the covers of the blankets. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. She digs quite a bit. Oh my god, that's that's the one thing. So, in the know, middle of the night, like if if she's not ready to go to bed and we are, we'll get in bed and she'll just start like, nope, not ready to go to I'm bed. I'm not ready. So like, I'll either like kick her off the bed so she knows like, okay, like that was unacceptable, or I'll put I'll put her in the crate, which doesn't happen often because we'd love to have her in the bed with us. I mean, do dogs um, love crates? Like, let's face it. They love she, it. She's good in it. Yeah, I mean, like, it. she gets a ton of exercise. I'll take her on runs almost every day or take her down to the lake. Yeah. Get her. She ha- She wants to work. She wants to yeah, uh, yeah. She wants to chase a she ball. She needs a task. Um, I take her on walks off the leash, too, which oh, I love. But people in the neighborhood don't like it. I'm they like, to relax. my dog is going to stay near me. And just because your dog won't, don't get mad that I, I can do it with my dog, right? Yeah. That's that's on you as a dog owner to, like, train your dog better. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, well, I spend time with the dog. Um, then when the kids get up around 630, um, we spend our, our hour together, take yeah. them to school. And then from, you know, 745 to around noon, you know, I'm either working out or taking notes or hanging with my wife, Brittany. Um just getting things done. You know, I got four or five hours before the kids get out of school and then it's whatever they want to do. Cause look, they, my son Cooper's, he's 10. My daughter Palmer is eight. They're going to be out of the house before I know it, you know, and I don't want to miss time that I could spend with them because, you know, I, they're going to want to, you know, they're going to want to come hang out with us and bring their friends over when they're in high school or out of high school. But they're not going to be eight and ten anymore, right? Like we're not going to have that, you know. And I just don't want to regret not experiencing anything that I that I have with them. Yeah, you know. So that's that's why I do it. I feel like a lot of people uh, don't have that foresight to some extent, or or aren't yeah. even some. You know, I mean, there's anyway. What do we? I actually, you know, let's go to a break really quick. Yeah. Um, we'll go do some ad reads. You you're going to get an eight sleep bed. All right, folks, NordVPN, that's N-O-R-D VPN. Uh, these are some cool cats, I got to say. Uh, not only are they easy to use, you can get one-click or auto-connect auto for zero-click protection, and it's fast. They got 5,400 servers. That's not waiters. Those are digital devices uh, in 60 countries. So uh, you can you can hit it up fizzast. Well, I haven't heard that in a while. Um, so NordVPN and it's a vibe. It's, it's like branded and everything. And I don't know, Ted uses it. You know, Ted, you know, Ted, not, not Ted, the guy with the bear, but Ted, the talks, you know, 
Um, and I and I like it. I dig it. And the code here is nordvpn.com slash show. That's going to get you 61% off of the two-year plan NordVPN and free anti-malware feature. Uh, so basically you want to, sh- this is all, what this is about folks is if you want to shield your data, it's a big thing nowadays. You want to protect yourself on public Wi-Fi, and maybe you want to just watch some Netflix when you're hanging out in Paris and you don't want people to mess with you. So check out NordVPN to get all the answers to that and more and 61% off at nordvpn.com slash EAL show. Thank you for supporting the podcast, NordVPN. Inside Tracker. Uh, Inside Tracker. So this is, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really excited to talk about Inside Tracker. So basically, I'm going to be talking about this for a minute and I'm about to go on an action plan here. And it's literally like you define, <laughs> it's crazy. You define your biological age. I'm going on a journey. Okay. So this is step one of the journey, which is I'm going to get this. Um, basically they, <laughs> it's so sick. It basically people are aging at different speeds and inside tracker is li- taking a look at this and they, and they look at, you know, how old you may be in your, you know, like your age, your birthday. But biologically, we're not really understanding that. And so by basically looking at your blood, they are going to understand your own health and longevity. And they give you this like personalized plan to improve your metabolism, reduce stress, um, improve your sleep because you need a nap. I, you need a, I need a fucking nap right now. Anyway, we're talking about a long haul situation, right? Life. We're talking about life here. Uh, created by some of the leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Inside Tracker is going anal- to analyze your blood and your DNA, and you, they even analyze your fitness data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. So you get a daily action plan, personalized guides. If you want to roll with the big dogs, you're going to drop an Inside Tracker. You're going to go to insidetracker.com forward slash EAL show, and you're going to get 20% off everything inside the inside tracker store. So I'm going to go on this journey. I haven't done it yet. I am. I'm into this stuff though. You know, we've had a lot of partners about health and sleep and fitness and wellness. And I am, I'm not the healthiest tool in the shed. I'm not the healthiest dog in the barn, but I'm interested in getting better, right? Like it's not, nobody's perfect. We got rule 17 B in effect. You laugh at the bad shots inside tracker is going to help you turn those bad shots into good shots. So I'm excited to go on the journey. Uh, go on it with me, insidetracker.com slash EAL show for 20% off. Uh, and last but not least, we've got Hawthorne. So Hawthorne is actually a, uh, a really vibey uh, brand here where they're basically uh, talking about the perfect kind of premium men's grooming, right? And so it's like skincare and hair care made just for you. So they, so they take data from all of their customers and they recommend the perfect product for your body. It is like the world that we're in right now is just absolutely insane. And, and I mean, I love lotion. I love hair gel. I love soap. I love candles and Hawthorne's got all that stuff. And they're basically going to help you upgrade and elevate your facial game. So of course uh, you really want to, Obviously, go to Hawthorne.com. That's H-A-W-T-H-O 
hawthorne.co, not com, sorry, co. Hawthorne with an E at the end, dot co. And the promo code is EAL show. You're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Um, I think I am like, I, I, you know what I do? I'm going to hate going to a restaurant and trying to look at the menu and figuring out what the fuck is the best thing on the menu. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, how about you just tell me what the best thing on the menu is and bring that and then I'll eat that and I'll probably like it better than whatever weird shit I'm going to pick. Hawthorne does that for you, but for your body and your skin and your hair and your lifestyle. So, and the other thing you should know is that if you're not completely satisfied, they're going to come to your house and give you a massage. Oh, sorry. I I read that wrong. If they, if you're not completely satisfied, (laughs) they might, I don't know. Try it. Try it. Uh, if you're not completely satisfied, they're going to retail your products for free based on your feedback, and they're going to pay for shipping. So Hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Promo code E-A-L show. Get it in your dish. Be an adult, right? Just be an adult here. That's what all of these uh, partners of the E-A-L show are about. Back to the show. Thank you for supporting the brands that support us. Yeah, I mean, you brought up the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Remember when uh, Michael Jordan played baseball? <laughs> Man, just just amazing. Like, like and, and the fact that he was even competitive, right? Like he, whenever the last time he played baseball before, before that, and just to roll into the minor leagues, and I mean, he had a number of home runs. He had some stolen bases. He flew around the outfield. It's yeah. not like he he was a bad player. Yeah, you know he could, which is yeah. crazy. And he, you know, he he bought a team bus for the, you know, I think he was playing with the Barons at yeah. the time. Um, just a pretty remarkable story, right? Like, hey, I I want to play baseball. <laughs> like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go give it a shot, right? And he was competitive. Yeah, right. It's crazy. It reminds me of uh, J.R. Smith, right? You know, going to college golf, kind of like <laughs> amazing. That's, that's amazing. crazy too. I haven't gotten to, uh, a chance to play with him, but I I've played with a lot of guys in Philly who have played with him. Um, said he's he's phenomenal to be around. He's a great guy. Obviously, a good golfer. Yeah, uh, would love to uh, love to get out with him. He's uh, we're gonna we're gonna actually get with him in. There's an Ireland trip that he's gonna be at. Okay, so I think it's kind of like a last minute commitment kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, there's like a new course in Ireland opening up. I mean, I'm sure you could go if you wanted to go. Let me know the time. Yeah, yeah. If I can, I'll I'll be there. It could be pretty fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't been over there yet. You've been? Have you played over there? Love it. Yeah, Ireland. Yeah. You haven't played at all in the. I UK? haven't been overseas. No. Well, I mean, shit. You've been overseas. I've been overseas. I ha- haven't haven't played golf. And and again, like, I think we talked a little bit about my scheduling, right? So February to October, like, really can't do anything. Yeah. And any anything creative that I wanted to get into had to be November December. Right which is not much time, right? Tough and time, if yeah. there's any vacation that I wanted to do with the family or friends, it would kind of be you know that that part of the year and then January rolls around, I got to start throwing. Yeah. Right? So once I would try and dive into some creative stuff and try and try and get the ball rolling on some ideas that I've had for a long time and then January, February rolls around, it's like season starts. Yeah. So I'd kind of put it push it to the side a little bit. And and kind of keep some things rolling throughout the season, but there's just I had no time. Yeah. Right. So going going overseas to to do stuff like that, just I really hadn't had the time yet for it. Yeah, it's just kind of like uh if you got a family, 
Yeah. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it's like e- even like uh, e- even just on a regular Saturday, it's like, OK, like, why would I go be alone when, you know, yeah, I hang with you guys? That's kind of um, that's where I'm at, man. And like before when we were talking about family, um, experiencing things without my kids isn't near as fun for me. Right. You know, like. And everyone's in different spots in their life, right? A lot of people want to stay single or get married and travel before kids. Yeah. I want to do all that stuff with my kids. Yeah. Right. We haven't, we haven't gone to Europe or, you know, the Mediterranean or, or you name it yet, because I didn't want to take the kids when they're still in diapers or in a stroller. I want them to be kind of at the age where they're at now so they can remember it, experience the culture and enjoy the food. Like my, and my kids eat everything, which I love. That's good. The only thing my son won't eat is avocado and oysters. That'll which change. Is, which is, which is weird. I get the oysters thing. Oysters are kind of gross. Right. But avocado figure it out. Like yeah. avocado is great. <laughs> so, you know, he's, what about avocado toast or like, no, what, does it no guacamole? Nothing. I mean, I can't even hide it in. Yeah, he loves sushi, but if it's in sushi, now he won't really? do it. Won't do it. I mean, the thing is avocado tastes like nothing. It doesn't even taste like anything. I think it's just a texture thing, maybe. Uh, I even yeah. put like some, you know, sea salt and pepper in it. He didn't, he didn't like I it. hated tomatoes for a long time. I'm not. I like everything, but I'm not a huge tomato fan. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm not like into tomatoes. No. But like, I mean, you know, I'll get the tomato and mozzarella. Right? Do you get that's, that? That's a good combo. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, but you get, you're a health guy. So tomatoes, mm-hmm. nightshade, mozzarella, dairy. It's like, it's not really the combo for an athlete. Yeah. So I, I'm not completely uh, caught up to speed on the nightshades thing. <laughs> you know, I understand. I know I, Tom Brady doesn't eat tomatoes or is it mushrooms? Oh, yeah. He's full into it. Yeah. He, he doesn't eat them. Yeah. I don't think so. Man. Now, what's wrong with them? Too acidic or yeah, I mean, whatever. I guess a nightshade means that it like grows at night or something. Is that bad? And yeah, I think it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're about to pull this up. The problem yeah, with the nightshade. Know. So is, there's no nutrients in it. No, it's got nutrients. It's like it, just I'm going to kill some time here for about. OK, and we got an answer. All right. Uh, you might have an answer. Tomatoes are members of the nightshade family, but they actually produce a slightly different alkaloid. And that's called tomatine, which nice. is also toxic, but less so. It's toxic. They're it's toxic. Tox, toxic tomatoes, dude. Okay. But who cares? So the food all... industry, is, they've been pushing tomatoes on us forever. And milk. I mean, look, milk is just not good for you. I mean, like, I, I understand if you like it. Who's drinking a glass of milk? Especially by itself. What is wrong with you? That's disgusting. My second basement at TCU <laughs> would like pizza, glass of milk spaghetti what? milk like you're that's just it's so over the top it's disgusting it doesn't even work the only time i would have milk is like with with chocolate chip cookies or sure. brownie yeah that's like that's that's the combo yeah but i i hate i hate milk really what about a latte uh i throw almond milk in there almond or whole, whole milk right if i'm gonna if i'm gonna have it but i yeah. i would and i look i grew up on cereal cereal like, dude. cereal pop tarts toaster strudels Pizza rolls, all that shit. But what's funny is like almond milk tastes exactly the same. So why wouldn't you use it? Yeah, and it's like just way better for you. Right? There's no no it's dairy. Way, way better for you. Do you yeah. have allergies? Not really at all. That's amazing, dude. I'm jealous. I've been here. They mess with you here. Yeah, I mean, I've just had them for like my whole life. And well, the reason why I thought <laughs> just of just your whole life, just just my whole life. Yeah, you know, just 41 yeah. years with allergies. But I I I did one thing once where my sister had a cat. I was allergic to that. Allergic to 
leaves and shit, you know, like it doesn't, you know, when we play golf, I was fine. Um, but like I, I did a year where I didn't eat, uh, dairy or gluten. It helps you out. And I was like allergy free. Mm. And then I like, I could like put my face in the cat's body and I did, wouldn't sneeze well, at all. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of times people don't take the effort to like take things out of the diet, yeah. reintroduce them because that, that's a real way to figure out what's messing with you or what's it can be right. Like, is it, is it, uh, environmental like, uh, irritants, right? Yeah. Pollen or cedar, or is it something I'm eating? Right. Like, and if, if it just requires you taking one or two things out of your diet to feel better instead of having to take Allegra or Claritin every day, yeah, you know, look, I, I think medications can help, but wouldn't you rather not have to take them? Exactly. You're you like, know? why am I doing this? Yeah, I agree. You are you what you read? Do you what's it? Well, you got like a book that you recommend to people? Man, I don't read enough. I feel like I you've read, read some enough. books. I feel like you've read something where you're like, well, this you is feel it. wrong. What do you mean? Just, you feel wrong. I mean, you feel wrong. It's a uh, you feel. I, I feel good, but <laughs> I don't. I don't really look. I'm not right. Okay, okay. Got it, got so it. a good friend of mine, Adam Morgan, was telling me about a book, and I was in Seaside, Florida at the time, and said, you got to pick up this book. It's like a former Navy SEAL wrote this book. It is, um, it is fiction, but it's military related. It's like this ambush, these guys, um, something crazy happens and there's these government exper experiments on these, on these Navy SEALs or these Marines. So I bought the book, haven't opened it yet. Right. So you don't give a shit. No, 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 I do. And I okay. care about my friend Adam. I just haven't started reading the book yet. So, and I don't watch TV. So yeah, you said it's just like, I, I don't have the, it sounds weird, but I don't feel like I have much time to, to read. It's just not important. <laughs> it's not, it's fine, dude. I, I don't like to read either. Just to I be wish clear. I did. I wish I did. But I, every once in a while, someone will recommend a book and it, it, it made me think of you because someone recommended this book to me last week. It was a successful entrepreneur in Austin. Mm -hmm. He's starting a new business and he was like, you should read Atomic Habits. Okay. And I don't know why it made me think of you because it's all about small things that you can change to impact your life. Yeah. I and like we've that. kind of been talking about that, that it, maybe it seems like you don't need to read that book because it well, comes naturally to you. No, look, I, I'll be the first to tell you, like, I'm, I need to work on a lot of shit. Yeah. And I think everybody does and realize coming to that realization is the most important thing, right? Yeah. Like I, I want to get better at all aspects of my life. And, uh, I don't think that'll ever change. So I watch, I'll, I'll go buy the book and I'll never open it. Dude, do atomic, a book on tape, man. You can listen to it in the sauna. Are you a sauna guy? What do you do? Like we, we have a sauna in the new house. Do you hit it? Yeah. Well, Oh, you haven't moved in. We yet. won't, won't be in the house for, probably four weeks okay but i will every day cold Dude. tub sauna you got what what temperature are you at with the cold tub well it'll fluctuate i like let's say like 38 to 50 wow Depends you go to so i got a cold plunge mm -hmm. uh, which one did you get i got the plunge oh we talked about that yeah okay. it's I've, just like the it's like got the chiller mm -hmm. and it just is always cold okay yeah so that one's nice. You can put it on layaway. It's great. Well, so the one that I'm looking at, and I've been in contact with the company, it's the Morozco Forge. Oh. It creates its own ice. Right? Oh, wait. It's got ice in the water. Oh, so it's freezing So it, it'll, it'll freeze. The top layer will freeze like two or three inches thick. 
dude. See, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful tubs. Yeah. So, um, I need to, I need to get, get in touch with them again and, and finally pull the trigger. Cause dude, it's if a you're, it's if you're a listening, Morosco, what's it called? Morosco forge. Morosco forge. Mm-hmm. You can do it at thirties in the thirties. I believe you can have it. No, but like you physically. Just, yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm at 55 and it's like, it burns. No, it's, it's really cold. I, I don't know. I, I've been doing contrast and, and hot cold for my whole career. So my toe, sometimes on, you know, those little like neoprene sleeves you can put on your toes. No, I don't. Do you know? Well, that? I've you, never you, heard of that. Okay. Well, if, if <laughs> I don't know, some people do, some people don't, but my toes will burn like, wow. The rest of my body's okay, but I'll put those, it's like a little neoprene sleeve you can put on your toes. It's like a little tiny, like, uh, uh, like glove yes. for your toe kind of yeah 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 it's it's nice i mean if you, <laughs> if, you, if you have that issue which i do some people don't but when you're in the 30s fuck i, I think you need it so when you're when you're when you're in season mm-hmm. what's the routine after the you, you go you go into the like right after the game yeah you got you're, you're done you get a little massage w- when does the cold enter like because wh- i've read a lot about like when is it best to introduce cold? Like apparently it reduces swelling and increases your like ability to like deal with bullshit. Yeah. And it, like, oh, uh, I mean, it does a lot. I think it like wakes up your central nervous system. Yeah. Um, to me, it feels like, like a shot of adrenaline. Yeah. I like it in the morning. Yeah. I like it in the morning. I like the heat. Well, I like contrast in the morning. Right. But I always finish in the cold. Yeah. I typically wow. like to finish in the cold and then kind of, um, you know, expose, expose your body to, you know, to natural heat, right? Like in the summer, you finish in the cold, you're outside here in Austin, it's a hundred degrees. Yeah. Right. So the body dilates, sends blood to the extremities and then I get my day going. But if I finish in the, in the, in the heat, it makes me tired. Interesting. Right. Like I have, not that I won't have energy as the day progresses, yeah. but I start out like just, just a little slower than I typically would. Interesting. Especially if I, if I were to finish in the cold. And I don't, I don't have like this, this bulletproof like plan. I, I kind of move around a little bit and, you know, I'll go five minutes cold, five hot, do that for three rounds. Five cold is a lot. Five cold is a lot. I do Sometimes, two, yeah, two or three. Which is better than nothing, right? It is. There's just, some, speaking some, of you finishing cold. Mm-hmm. So I, I, there was a time like a little bit, a little bit earlier this year, I, I, I played golf early in the morning mm-hmm. and then I had a meeting at the office here. So I had just enough time to go home and I just was like needed a refresh. So I just jumped in the tub two or three minutes, you know, 50 degrees. Yeah. And, um, uh, I just threw my clothes on and went to the, went to the meeting and it wasn't very warm out, I guess. And, um, I'm in this meeting with these other business guys and I'm just shivering. And I was like, I, I I had to say something because I was like, guys, I don't want you to think like, I'm not like a drug addict. I just took an ice bath and and I'm like still really 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 cold. It can cold. linger for a while. It hung around. It lingers for a while, but yeah, man, I there's there's a lot to be said. I I don't know like the the in depth like science and the biology or chemistry behind it, but I know that it makes me feel good. Yeah, and it's a there's a I mean the mental component is is the largest component. It changes of, what you of think. The mall it does and. You know, if you, if you get in there immediately, you're, you can't like, you freak out a little bit. So what do you right? do with your breath? I just try and take slow, long, slow, uh, deep in, inhalations yeah. in, inhalations and, and exhalations. And sometimes I'm not great at it. Right. Yeah. The colder the water is, the harder, the harder it gets to right. 
keep your breathing, you know, under control, but, and just, just doing it the first time. It's like going to the gym after, after not working out for three months, yeah. like going that first day is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Right. But then you're like, all right, I'm not, it didn't kill me. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And I actually feel better having done that. So, yeah. So yeah. So Morosco Forge need one in my life. So, uh, <laughs> hit him up. So we, um, we can cut this out, but we talked a little bit on the golf course about your career, about your future. <laughs> we can cut what out? Why, Do you want to talk about cut? it? Yeah, go ahead. You said you were going to retire. Oh yeah, I'm done, dude. My day. My Do people day, know that? I thought people didn't know that yet. I got it. Let's move this over. Jesus. What do you need? Away from you? No, just right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, no, I man. So, like, I, I haven't signed the papers. Yeah. But I think I mentioned that after the 2019 season, I just realized, like, my show, my body feels great. Elbow. I, I, I came, I came away from the game with two bone spur surgeries, minor, yeah. a meniscus in 2019. But the shoulder just doesn't move the way that I need it to move to to pitch the way I want to pitch. Yeah. Right? Like, I can't feel my arm in space at my release point. Right? Whoa. And if you watch my tape, which I'm not watching my tape, like from the last couple of years, it was just, it was a nightmare. And it was like, you know, I was in a position where like, this isn't me. I know I, I want to be better than this. I hate that I'm not better than this for my team. And the organization and the fans, I'm not, this is not like, I know where, I know where I came from when I started. I know what I turned into and like, this just, this fucking sucks. Yeah. So it just doesn't rotate there. There comes a point in time from when I'm externally rotated to when I start to internally rotate where I like lose sensation of, of where my hand is. And it was, it was most dramatic on my curveball and on my changeup. Wow. Right? Like I, I was hitting guys with changeups. I was not even near the strike zone with curveballs. And that was a pitch for me, like from 2013 to 2018, 2019, where I could just like throw it at will. I could yeah. throw, I could bounce it on the plate. I could throw it in the strike zone. I could, I could do all those things. I could throw my cutter, you know, front foot to a left-handed hitter, back foot. I could throw a front door to a right-handed hitter. You know, and then I just, it, nothing changed other than the way my shoulder was moving. And like, I, I don't, I haven't had it looked at. It feels, feels fine. Just, it doesn't move the same way. Mm. The old whip doesn't, doesn't whip the same. And, um, that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm ready to finally have more time to do things that I've been wanting to do for a long time, you know? So. It's bittersweet. Like I shit, I've been watching I've been watching games every day since the season started and I love it, you know. Um I always will. But at at some point that uniform is given to somebody else for everybody. Right? And I was I I played for 12 seasons, like t almost 11 full years. This was a good run. You know, yeah. I I don't regret anything. You know, it's a, it's a cool story kind of how it all, how it all transpired, being able to accomplish what we did in Chicago that hadn't been done in 108 years, 
it's it's badass shit it's cool i mean that is uh what there's probably that that series a handful of sports moments that were as epic in the world and in the in the like modern era of sport like what else stands up to that like the well i'm sure that you could find you could find some right but like being in that moment with that with that organization with the group of guys and how it all came together you got to give you know the owner the gm assistant gm uh joe madden our manager a ton of credit for for putting that that roster together yeah. right i mean the trade in 2013, bringing me and Pedro Strope to Chicago in 2013 will probably go down as one of the biggest trades in Chicago history, right? right. Um, did they know that I was going to turn into what I did? No. I mean, did I completely? Like, I was always extremely confident that I was going to be great. And I, to I told Theo and I told our pitching coach from our first phone call, like, I'm going to be good for the Cubs, right? I just, you know. And it... Thank God it worked out because I would have looked like an idiot. But yeah, we had we had Kyle Schwarber, we had Addison Russell, Javi Baez, um, Chris Bryant, all these all these young guys that they had drafted and drafted so well, mm. along with like guys like myself and John Lester, and we had John Lackey, Kyle Hendricks, uh, Jason Hamill at the time, uh, David Ross. What was Chapman like? Um, did you guys uh, get along? Man, yeah, I, I there. I don't think there was a guy that I played with that I really didn't get along with. You know, like yeah. I different personalities. You understand, we all come from different backgrounds, language barrier or not. Like, hey, we're teammates. Like, we're we we're gonna be different, and that's fine. Yeah, but find a way to to make it work for the team. He just like it's like you and he could like uh, could like star in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's a freak. He's, he's a an absolute freak, freak, and I feel like he's gotten bigger every year. <laughs> I give him a lot of credit because, look, when he came over from from Cuba, and he was with Cincinnati to start, he was throwing 105 miles an hour. Jesus. And then he still throws hard. I'm sure he still runs it up to 100, probably just a tick over 100 miles an hour, right? Yeah. Um, but he's incorporated like a really nice slider a curveball and like a change, a, a change. I don't know if it's a straight change or a split, but just seeing a guy like that at that level with that sort of like elite stuff, be willing to incorporate new things into his repertoire yeah, to still be that sort of elite level, elite caliber guy for the Yankees. Right. right. And a lot of guys, there's some guys that are stubborn, right? Like, no, I'm going to try and just throw this fastball as hard as I can. And, you know, see what happens, right? So, and his ability to stay healthy. Yeah. Like, and he's, he's got to be my age or maybe he's a year younger, a year older. Yeah. He looks great. They say, you know, we were talking about Formula One, you're a fan. Mm -hmm. Like, in Formula One, your biggest opponent is your teammate. Is that yeah. true at all in the, in Major League Baseball at all? Like, amongst pitchers? Like, is it like... Like the comp competitive... Yeah. Well, I think there's that friendly competition. Like, in 2016... We had the same, this has probably happened in baseball history before, but I can't think of when we had the same starting rotation from spring training to the world series, the same five guys. Wow. 
that doesn't happen. Typically, a team will use 15 starters, right? Interesting. Whether a guy's a little dinged up, you need to bring a guy up for a spot start or somebody gets injured. It just happens, right? Like throwing overhand is not natural. Guys get hurt. Obliques, hamstrings, calves, whatever. Like it, ha- it happens. So that, that was really special for us. And we were all just very consistent, <laughs> very consistent. And like, if I would see Lester go out there and, and throw, throw a shutout, I'm like, ah, fuck, I, I need to do that too. Not because I want to be better. Like I care about my individual numbers that I need them better than his. It's going to help our team. Yeah. I right? guess like, so ne- it's like next man up. Right. Or, you know, if I didn't pitch well, Kyle Hendricks is pitching the next day. He needs to pick the team up. Right. Cause I say I went four innings. Right. Had to use four or five guys out of the bullpen. That responsibility, like we carry that as starting pitchers. And a lot of guys do. Right. Yeah. It wasn't just specific to us. This it's like a, a sense of pride and accountability as a starting pitcher. If I knew we had to bring four or five guys out of the bullpen, I need to go out the next day and throw seven or eight innings. Yeah. So I can, I can kind of give those guys a blow and they don't have to come in. Cause if they have to do that twice, twice in a row or three days in a row in a series that beats, that beats your guys up. Yeah. And you need, you need the bullpen fresh in August and September. Yeah. Right? They need that full, I guess the difference is with formula one, the world champion is the driver, not the team. Whereas you can't win. There's no Jake winning anything. I mean, you could get the Cy Young or sure, but like, yeah. you know, you, you need everyone to perform, which is different than Formula One. 100%. It's, and it's just, yeah, it's kind of like Formula One and golf, right? Like you have your trainer, you yeah. have your swing coach, you have your caddy. Right. Totally independent support. And, and you know, F1, you have your pit crew, yeah. you have your engineers, but then it's you out there. Yeah. But then also, and you know more about F1 than I do, but there's... Is it two? It's two guys from each team in the race. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but usually it's like so. Who does Hamilton? Who's Hamilton's teammate? George Russell. First. Now, so is he setting up Hamilton all the time, or like if if he can win the race, does he try and win the race? Yeah, I mean, team orders come into play uh, every once in a while. But so actually, just this past weekend, uh, they were in Australia, and George Russell podium third place Hamilton not a podium fourth okay. place and some of the announcers were talking like are they going to ask Russell to let Hamilton buy um I think there was a bit it didn't it wouldn't have made sense to do that but so, yeah. last year they did it all the time with Botas they were like Botas uh, team orders yeah. Hamilton's gonna go buy you right Botas pulls over Hamilton blows by because he's going for the world championship he's got he's in the points does that do anything for for him Oh. I mean, I guess it doesn't do anything for Hamilton if if his teammate wins. There's not like, yeah. Well, there's team points. No, there team are team points. points. Yeah, okay. it's okay. it's the 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 constructors championship mm-hmm. determines that you know the ten different teams get to uh, you know they basically get money from Formula One. So Formula One say it brings in a billion dollars, they take half that money and give it back to the teams based on their standings in the constructors in the constructors championship. So. Yeah, it's a little different than baseball, yeah. right? It's a little different than most sports, actually. Well, I think it's wild with F1 that there's such a discrepancy in, like, the the money behind teams, right? Yeah. Like, in that 
that separation totally leads directly to performance totally and why i'm sure there might be a good good reason for this why isn't why isn't it more uniform right like you have you, everyone Salary has this cap. budget because like and that's and, a really good question like because if it directly leads to performance it's almost like cool richest team you wins. know we in baseball we get to use the best bats and these guys are using the bats from academy <laughs> right like <laughs> yeah um, yeah, and there's the draft. Does, yeah. The draft is really interesting. So, like, yeah. last place you get first pick. Uh, these are interesting things. You have a thought, Jojo? Well, the the one thought is uh, in F one, Mercedes like Mercedes owns another team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so there's that level to it. But isn't that the same question of baseball? Wasn't that what preempted the whole Moneyball conversation when Michael Lewis was looking into it? Was the payroll discrepancies between the Yankees and the A's? What's the difference between those two factors? Jojo, Brinson's you know, I mean, that's question. that's a good point, right? So look, like the Yankees are always going to be willing to spend money. The Orioles and uh, like the Pittsburgh Pirates are not. But what's frustrating to me and to baseball fans and to players around the league is that every ownership group is comprised of almost billionaires or billionaires. Yeah. So, yeah, we understand that it's a small market. 100%. We get it, right? Like, you're not going to get the views that they are in Boston or in New York or in L.A. But it's not a, it's it's not an issue with money because the money's there. And I'm pretty sure that we could find 10 billionaires that would be willing to spend more money and yeah. feel a more competitive team, right? Like, if, if – and they're all billionaires from other business. Yeah. They didn't – you don't become an owner of a major sports franchise without having a, a shit ton of money. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like we need to do a better job of, of deciding who is, who's able to own these teams. Right. And look, only one team wins a world series every year. Only, you know, like in Tampa, Tampa Bay has done such a good job of, of drafting and developing talent that, now other teams are are trying to mimic that that blueprint and that approach. It's way harder than it looks. Yeah. And for whatever I mean, look, they have they have incredible instructors. They have great coaches. You know, their their GM is brilliant. Good ownership. It's working for them. Like yeah. they have a great team. Um, either guys need to organizations need to figure it out, figure out how to do that or be willing to spend a little bit more money. We're not saying you have to spend $250 million on, on, in salary on payroll. Yeah. But damn, you need to spend more than 40. 40 is not a lot. No. I mean, go and give your fans something worth watching. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You want to, you want to draft as well as you can in Pittsburgh and in Baltimore, they have had some nice draft picks. But not mu- not many complimentary players to go w- to go with them, right? Right, and th- th- they'll sign guys for for a little bit of money, right? But they're they're trying to put all their eggs in one basket. And look, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and do everything you can through the draft, you better learn how to develop these guys. Yeah, like look, if you don't have the right guys in place to get the job done, then then get new people in there. Yeah, 
right? Because it can be done. It's got to be so hard to figure that out. It really makes me think about, um, you know, the Bulls, just like, just like how that all happened as a franchise, just how that went down. Like all these players that like. You, you might not pick. You might be like, well, I don't know if this is going to work out. You know what yeah. I mean? And then all of a sudden, they're just like a team. Sometimes you get you get really lucky. And obviously, drafting on character is, is – there's a lot to that. Interesting. Right? Um, but the performance also has some match character. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of great guys out there that fucking can't play basketball or baseball. <laughs> like, there just are. Right? But if you can find – and look, there's a lot – not – it's not always guys from the first round that end up being your stars. Right. Right. Like if you can guys that can really, that really have an eye for that, that either that player who's, who's just not there maturity wise yet physically. Yeah. Or, or whatever the reason is like, cause there are, there are players out there who go overlooked, right? Like there's a, there's a reliever for the Yankees that was, I think he was working at a grocery store a couple of years ago. And no he way. Throw, he throws a hundred miles an hour. It's like, what? You know, that's insane. So they're yeah, good for him. I can't think of his name right now, but I mean, just, I, I've seen him throw and it's just, it's friggin' electric. So it's, you never know where it's going to come from. We, we had guys, I've played with guys, uh, that pitched an independent ball, you know, a non-affiliated team um for years before they finally figured it out all the way whether it was somebody helped develop them or they just whatever like it clicked yeah you know and they debuted at 33 years old or 31 years old so right. you know you got to continue looking because you'll you can you can find talent yeah right so uh, the game's in a weird place but and just watching this for this first week of games it just seems like it's going to be the same teams in the playoffs like just like always. Yeah, that's kind of uh the the shakeup is fun. And the season's so damn long, right? Yeah. Like look, I mean the Mets are without their two best pitchers right now. Yeah. Two of the best pitchers on the planet. One and Jake the Jacob DeGrom, who I, I've told people this for a couple of years. I think he's the best starting pitcher to ever put a uniform on. Whoa. If he can just stay healthy. Right. I mean his fastball velocity has gone up every year since 2013, I believe it is, from like averaging from like 93, 94 to like close to 100. Jeez. Like he's uh, it's unheard of. Yeah. Right. And his command, his his stuff. I just I hope he can stay healthy. He's he's on the he's on the aisle now, and I believe Scherzer still is too. But health is just health is like priority number one. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you don't, it's funny because like, it's such, it's so aggressive and it's so repetitive. It's like golf, you don't really, I mean, obviously players get injured in golf, but it's yeah. not quite as, I guess maybe it's not as noticeable as well. I think that, and I'm not saying that it's, it's easy to play hurt because it's not, but I, I do feel like I've seen a significant amount of golfers play like banged up. Yeah. And Tiger this weekend, you know, Tiger, um, and guys do it all the time. And yeah. you know, guys do it in all sports, but like if you're playing football and you're getting those like miniature car accidents, yeah. every play, it's hard to play banged up or yeah. basketball. If you're sprinting up and down the court and you're 
you know, flying through the roof, like jumping, like yeah. hard to play banged Much up. higher risk. Right? If you're sliding head first into bases and you're having to try and throw a guy out at home from right field to prevent the game tying run, like it's hard to play with a, a messed up shoulder. So, but look, golf, you're, it's a rotational sport. Yeah. So depending on what's going on, it can also be really hard to play. Do you ever like, you know, I, I don't, there's like, I've, I've, I love coaches. Like I love golf coaches. I love learning about the swing and the technique of it. And for me, one of my favorite things watching Scotty Scheffler is like, what is happening? Like, do you look at his swing and you're just like, I don't know who, whoever told him not to change like Bravo, because mm -hmm. What, 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 what are you doing? Like, like everybody, if you came in and you were an eight handicap and you were like, yeah, this is my swing. Yeah. You know what I mean, like yeah. my feet are all fucked up. Sometimes mm -hmm. I look like I'm playing tennis. Right. Good. Yeah. Great swing. Do you think about that? Like, did you ever manipulate what you were doing all the time in certain ways, right? Little ways, because I talk to people about this all the time. I look at pictures from when I was 10, 12 years old, my throwing motion was is almost identical to where it is now. Yeah. Right. So take the biomechanics that you have, take the way that your body moves and just try and optimize it. Yeah. Right. Like there's some golfers that have some like Furick and, and Wolf, like yeah. it's not, it might not be the most pretty from like pure golf yeah. standards. Right. But can you get to the impact position consistently? Like yeah. that's the only thing that matters. And I tell people, pitchers or hitters, can you get to the, your release point repeat, like consistently? It's all that can matters. You, can you get to here, chest over your front knee, right? Good, good hand position, good, good wrist position, strong front side. I don't care what you do over behind, on the mound, right? Yeah. Or over the rubber as you're balanced. Like guys used to like, you throw the knee way up in the air, Bob yeah. Gibson, right? Look at the sky, Sandy Koufax, and just let it rip. Yeah. But you look at all of them, they got, they yeah. got out here consistently. So like, it doesn't, who cares what happens up here? Yes. It might be really difficult to repeat yeah. certain, certain uh, swing mechanics. But if, if that's like, think about trying to teach, you know, a guy on tour who's got a weird swing, a new one. Yeah. That's like what I was telling you, like at the big league level in Baltimore, trying to work on my delivery while I'm trying to beat the Red Sox or while uh, one of those guys is trying to compete with John Rahm and, and, yeah. and these dudes, right? Like it's it's a near impossible. Who was the um, was it? Who was the guy in the '80s that was throwing sidearm? Oh shit. What, there was a couple sidearm guys that you were just like, what? Like way way down like here, way sidearm. What, there was like a, there was a couple names. I mean, anyway, like while we look for the name, but like. That's the exact thing about trying to teach him to come up here. Yeah. But what's the, what's the logic of like, cause it's not very popular. Like a submarine and, and sidearm. Yeah. I would say typically for the most part, it's like a guy that hasn't had success up here yeah. or somewhere in here, whether you're high three quarter or low three quarter or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes I, I've seen guys like try and drop down and, you know, cause it gives you a little bit different look. Like imagine as a hitter, you're used to looking up here. Yeah. And now I got to look like down by his knee. Yeah. And it's coming from this weird, this weird angle. It's kind of, if you're a left-handed hitter from, from right, it's coming at you. Yeah. Or if you're a right-handed hitter, it's going, it looks like it's going up. 
Yeah. So that's, you know, there's somebody who said for that more power to the guys that have learned to go from here to up here. Right. It's happened. Do you I ever mean, try it? Hell no. Never tried it. No. I mean, just fu- <laughs> fucking around like in the outfield, you know, like, like just a little flip, chuck flipping the ball. Yeah, yeah. But not like, look, like if, if I, <laughs> I tell all, all the people this, like all my buddies, if it got to that point, you know, which I'm kind of there, like I'm just done. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah. No. no. Throw a knuckleball or some some. Like how crazy to be if you saw a tiger like on the first tee doing the like pump like Matt Wolf just like and then I told you like, I tried what? it I tried it and I hit it to like a foot from the stick, <laughs> and uh, didn't work the next time though. I mean, where's Matt Wolf right now though? Is he he's scuffling right? Like yeah, I, I don't, Ricky Fowler. Like what? Like what's the what's the mindset of these guys? Right. Well. Probably not great. And Jordan Spieth went through a period, a big of, lull of uh, a couple years of mental kind of uh, mental funk, right? For a couple years, but that just shows you it's not it's not physical with these guys. It's right. it's all in, and who knows what it is, right? It's an internal dialogue that they have with themselves, resulting from something that happened in a tournament or shit. I mean, I. I've had a range session where like I couldn't hit a ball straight. Yeah. And then it goes one of two ways. Like like the bullpen in Dodger Stadium. You say fuck it, you go out there and you and you see what happens and you play good or you continue to process that and you can't think you can't forget those 12 just hosels right yeah. directly right and then you go out there and you it's the same thing, right? You must have ref- you must have like reflected on what happens when you cut the bullpen short, go out there and just do something that's rarely done. It's happened in golf too, right? Like for me too, like terrible rain session. Like I can't even find what's happening. I can't, I can't pick a shot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go out there and it's like, huh, well, I've got an eight footer for birdie, whether I make it or not, I've done great on this Mm -hmm. hole, next hole. And it just kind of keeps happening. Like, what is that? Um, I think it's the realization that, that our minds are, way more powerful than we we give it credit for right because it's not the physical nature of it you could go out today and shoot a shoot a 75 and then you could go out tomorrow play the same course with a little bit different thought process and shoot a 92 i thought Swing, i was one i thought maybe you were gonna say you know? 65 but you said 92 <laughs> well but you know you know what i'm saying like because I, I i can shoot a. I mean i'm not in the fucking low to mid 70s ever but if I if I shoot a high seventy and you know I, I I know what I was thinking during it and for whatever reason that focus doesn't carry over yeah and it happens like I throw no hitter and I don't remember how what went, my next game was like but that's you interesting could, you could easily go out there four days later and just get your shit kicked in yeah like or do it again or or it can snowball into something positive not like multiple no hitters in a row that's never which, happened. I don't think a guy, I think some, someone's probably come close, but you know, yeah, I mean, it can lead to, you know, in my second half in, in 2015, that was part of that run. So the no hitter was the last day of August. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up completing the second half of the season with the best second half ERA in baseball history. So it was, you were hot. And I didn't, I didn't even know, like, if you were to ask me, um, my second half, like who I faced like throughout the second half, 
I mean, I obviously know the teams in my division. I knew how I pitched against, but I couldn't tell you like, okay, I went eight innings and one run or it was just like, I pitched this game. It's done. I pitched this game. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. like, that's the only thing that mattered was the game that day. And then it was over with. Yeah. You can't, um, it's kind of like in the long term, you know, you can't be a keeping track of your stats. No, just like in the game itself. It's like, you're not really thinking about the previous inning. You're just thinking about, and I used to do one. that a little bit. Really? Like, Oh, I need, uh, you know, whether it was minor leagues or like early on in the big leagues, like, Oh, if I, if I just throw seven innings, the next two starts and give up one run, like I'll have this, these numbers. Interesting. That's such a stupid fucking thing to do too. <laughs> right? Like, or, um, why? Because you can't, like I said, it's the promise of fight thing on each pitch. That's the only thing that matters. Cause I, if, if I'm worried about who I'm going to face in the fourth inning and I haven't got the first guy out yet, yeah, you're just not, you know, it's like stay in the moment, stay present, right? Another cliche thing, but just that holds so much weight, right? Yeah. Like, cause I, if I'm worrying about like what I'm going to eat for lunch and we're, I'm not focused on what we're talking about here, it's just not, there's no reason to do that. Right. So, yeah. And a lot of young guys do that. Like, yeah. oh, well, you know, um, I play with a guy in Philly. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going, I'm going seven today. I'm going eight today. No, get the first guy out. Yeah. Get the first guy out. Then we'll worry about, we'll yeah, worry like, about that shit later. Have you heard the one where the guy, uh, asks his caddy on a par five? He says, um, can I get there in two? And the caddy says, well, I don't know. I haven't seen your drive yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. That's just, it's the truth. I played, uh, I played one round of golf in my life under par. Well, good for you. I haven't played one yet. I haven't done it. What's your lowest round? 76. Okay. So I, and I, I, have, I don't even come close to that right now. Yeah, something's going on right now. It's something in the air. It's not us. I think it's the left heel. It could be the left, left heel. You, you're like, hey, what do you what do you got going on with the left heel? I'm like, oh yeah, you take it away. You bring the heel up. Oh, it comes up. I didn't know I did that. Wait, we got. I got okay. a video. Uh, <laughs> delete it. But I was going to bring it up because uh, we um, talk about the, like the mantra, promise of fight. Yeah. That one time I broke par, I said to myself uh, over the ball. You know, um, wherever this ball lands, I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a version of like acceptance, but also like, you know, um, moving forward, like uh, like right. offense almost. Right. And it's interesting because when I think about promise of fight kind of working its way into, you know, 70 something shots in a round of 18 holes, it's kind of like, like no matter where this ball lands, like I'm, I'm going to give it everything I've got. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm going to find it and I'm going to give <clears throat> that shot everything you know and that's all you that's all you can do right yeah and some of the some of the most fun i've had on the golf course is hitting from a really challenging lie right like one foot in the bunker having a choke down on the club on like some you know a four iron and just hitting a great shot yeah right because like oh fuck it sucks to be in this position but if i'm worried if i'm worried about how bad this sucks this shot's going to suck too. Yeah. So like, all right, I know what needs to be done to hit this shot. Yeah. Am I always capable of hitting it? No, of course not. But I know that there are times where I have shown the ability to do so. Yeah. And if I've done it once, I can do it again. And that's got to be the greatest feeling of baseball is, uh, you know, one shot lead, bases loaded, mm -hmm. bottom of the ninth, full count. Yeah. Right? Like that's got to just be it. And you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And you just, they go down swinging. Right? Isn't that it? It's pretty damn good. Yeah. 
I mean, like I said, though, it's once it leaves your hand, you it's out of your control. Wow. Right. But hitting is hard as fuck. So hard to do. Right. Giving the giving the opponent credit, but also understanding how hard their job is. Yeah. Right. Like in in being in the National League for a while and standing in the box, you realize like, whoa, okay. You have this fast to react. Yeah. It, it, so what, uh, two seconds? I mean, it's like... A second and a half? No, it's like two-tenths of a second. Oh, wait. Between the between your hand when and the When the ball comes out of the hand and... Yeah. What? It's it's like a blink. Oh, I had... I'm over here like two seconds. <laughs> two se- a oh, if shot. it was two seconds, man, we, we'd all be good at hitting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's nothing, right? So that's oh, just, I just had that off. Like the hand eye and the, the the training of the brain to recognize pitches in certain certain areas, right? Most guys they'll eliminate they don't care what pitch it is. There's some guys will just look for a spot. And if it's in that spot, whether it's high velocity or spin, you know they're offering at it, right? Other guys are just looking for like something straight or just looking for spin. There's so many different ways to approach hitting. And I I never really figured out which way was the best for me. <laughs> I just, you know. I wasn't your job. Well, I, I like to hit. Yeah. And I hit pretty well for a pitcher. Yeah. But, man, if you can make it look like a strike, I'm swinging. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, thanks, Jake. I, any questions for me? Man. We're done. Let's do it again. This I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Should we play a match? Me. Yeah. You're like. What? Uh, on the sim? Now or like whenever, some other time. We'll oh, play 100%. I, yeah, we'll I think I was up three, by yeah, the way. You, you won at the end. Remember, you're like, um, yeah, it was, we'll do carryovers. Yeah. Oh, I forgot I said that. Yeah, I said carryovers. <laughs> he won three. Yeah. It was, it was fun, though, man. That was a good time. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we'll get out to UT. Thanks for joining, Jake. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. <laughs>